Open your Bibles to Romans, chapter number 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans, this is a letter that uh, was written to uh, literally Roman leadership. So it's very different than a lot of our Bible because uh, most of our Bible is written to churches, you know. It was written, uh, uh, most of our New Testament is written to churches, it's written to people as a body of believers. It's kind of the opposite. It's not necessarily to a body of believers, but rather to a body of uh, potentially uh, unbelievers, non-believers, to explain what's going on with Jesus. Because here's the deal. When you come in contact with Jesus, when you come in contact with the power of God, there's going to need to be some explanation. You're going to experience some things. We had uh, a night of worship at uh, Texas A&M campus. You may have heard of it. It's a little school right across the highway. Uh, but, But we had a night of worship Tuesday night. And we had, I don't know, somewhere between 30, 50 uh, young people there. And the presence of God was so strong in that building. Was anybody there? Just wave at me. Yeah, the presence of God. Can you, can, can, can you test it? Was the presence of God strong? So it was a very, very powerful, powerful thing. And, and the presence of God is wonderful. But there's some explanation necessary a lot of times. You don't have to explain that you are feeling something. But if you do not explain what you are feeling through the lens of the Scripture, you can kind of get off into never-never land. You can kind of get out there on your own. So uh, from that standpoint, that's why God was so gracious to give us the Bible so that we can explain what we are experiencing. Uh, through God's Word, and here's the scenario. Uh, When you do that, now you are equipped with the Word of God, you are empowered with the Word of God, and then you have the proof in the pudding, which is the presence of God, which is the anointing of God, which is the anointing that destroys yokes, and it changes people's lives, but there's some teaching that's necessary. So uh, when Jesus came on the scene, and now uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up, and everything's just upside down, all the Jews are beginning to act completely different, all the ones that are saved, are beginning to act completely different. All the ones that believe on Jesus, they're acting different. So now there has to be an explanation for it. Uh, So what happens here, uh, beginning in verse number 1, it says, Listen, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, I beseech you. I encourage you. Everything in me says, please do this. I'm trying to get you from where you are to to a higher level. I'm trying to get you from where you are to a higher plane of thinking, to a higher plane of living, to a higher uh, plane in God, to a closer relationship with the Lord. So I beseech you, uh, not by your own strength, but by the mercies of God. So you don't grow on your own strength. That's exactly the opposite. The moment you begin to trust in your own strength, now you are contingent. Your your advancement is contingent upon your own strength. But the moment that you decide where I am weak, He is strong, now you have an opportunity to tap into the power of God, which only comes by the mercies of God. Because the situation does not make it where you are saved by grace and then all of a sudden you are justified by your own righteousness once you've been saved for a while. Exactly the opposite. You are saved by grace. You are continuously justified justified by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who you have clothed and put on therefore it is the mercies of God that will allow you to take any step in the right direction in the kingdom of God there's something about when you recognize that it is his mercy that allows you to take the next step that is the overwhelming freeing thing because it means this when I miss it 
When I fall on my face, I wasn't relying on my feet to hold me up anyway. I was relying on the mercies of God. And don't you know it, whenever you fall on your face or you miss it or you, you, you mess up or you slip up or you step back or whatever, isn't that the moment when the devil comes in and says, See, I told you, you're no different than anybody else. Isn't that the moment that he says, if you were really saved, if you were living for God, you would have never had that thought. If you were really born again, you would have never said that to that person. If you were really, you would have never. Listen to me. When you get sick, the first thing we do is we remind ourselves that by His stripes we were healed. It's the same thing when you mess up. When you mess up, you repent. Now, because here's the situation. Have you ever uh, 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 tried to be mad at somebody who, who's apologizing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's borderline frustrating. Because you're all mad, you know, you know what? Uh, uh, somebody broke your car window out of your car accidentally. They, they hit it with a, a rock with the weed eater. Well, bang, and it hits the, hits the window and it breaks the window out and, and whatever. And you go over there and say, man, you broke my window out with a rock. And you're kind of in the back of your mind wanting them to go, no, I didn't. So you can go, yes, you did. You had the weed eater. Wham, bang, and it hit it. And you're kind of, ugh. But then they go, oh, my goodness. I am so sorry. Oh, brother, here, how much is that window going to cost? I I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, you want to be mad, but you can't be mad because they're so repentant. It's the way it is with God. God's up there, number one. His anger at you was extinguished with three nails on Calvary. That's what took place with regards to His anger to you. But the moment that you find yourself in a situation that you shouldn't be in, you shouldn't have said it, you shouldn't have done it, your response simply and without exception should be to turn from it and go, Oh Lord, they might have been wrong, but I sure shouldn't have done that. Now all of a sudden you're putting God in the same position that you're in whenever you're trying to be frustrated. He's not trying to be, but you're putting Him in the same situation. He can't be frustrated because you're just repenting. You're changing everything by your actions and how you believe the Word of God. Most oftentimes, though, whenever we do things like that that we shouldn't do, we remind ourselves of our failures and we listen to the little voice that's trying to tell us all the places we've messed up. Instead of reminding ourselves what the Bible says, which is, nope, 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 I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, you just did this, you just did that. Listen, you can't earn the title of the righteousness of God whether you did this, whether you did that, or you did nothing. You cannot earn that. That is a gift of God. And the gifts of God, the Bible says, are given without repentance, which means He's not going to give it to you and then take it away. What kind of father would that be? It's called child abuse. He's not that kind of a God. So the Bible says... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed. Peer pressure is a real thing. I was talking to a friend of mine this week. We were talking about some of the things, and you know, we don't mind what other parents do. Uh, uh, that's their business. But we make some decisions with our kids that are not popular. 
Just because they invited them to stay the night doesn't mean they're going to stay the night. Doesn't mean that we don't love them. It just means I've never been in your house. And if you've got shot glasses lying in the bar uh, of your home and and you watch uh, this, that, or the other on the television and your kids watch this, I don't know that. I, I don't know. So, so here's the situation. We're not conformed to that. So I can't let my little kids that I'm protecting come and be in your presence without my supervision because I don't know what you're going to expose them to. And listen to me, it is not your job to raise my kids. It is my job to raise my kids. And I'm not conforming to the world. And I don't care how popular it is. I just don't care. Take me out of the equation. I'm not conforming to the world. They got a thing going on right now. They're trying to equate that two people of the same uh, gender should be able to do the thing that is sacred, that is ordained by God, that is the first covenant that we see that is on the earth, and that is the covenant between one man and one woman, and they're trying to equate that. And listen to me, I just read it this week in Thailand this week there was a marriage that took place with three people of the same gender if you think this thing's not going crazy you better get on the wrong get on the right side of the tracks because everything is about to get even weirder but you and me we are not going to conform to this world i don't care what they say before it's over listen i'm telling you before it's over people are going to be marrying trees it's funny right now People are going to be marrying trees and marrying... Who knows? I'm not even going to say some of the things that I know are going to happen. But that's what we're living in right now. But the Bible says that you and me, we are not to be conformed to this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I represent a kingdom that is not here right now. My prayer is that that kingdom would come here and that the people of the world would experience the people and the power of God so that life could be different. But I'm not going to be conformed and I don't care what law they pass I don't care who says they have to do it it doesn't make me one lick of difference I'm not going to be conformed and those kids over there in New Heights Kids Church are not going to be conformed either in the name of Jesus man I needed that other hour of sleep don't you be conformed to this world There is a clarion call going out across the nations right now that says, this day, choose who you will serve. If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm not scared of dying. For me to live is Christ. That means when my babies want to eat, for me to live is to read the Bible to them. For me is to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Little Trinity said just the other day, she said, Daddy, I said, what baby? She said, do we have clothes in heaven? I said, uh, ask your mom. <laughs> Crystal says, if we do, it'll be new clothes. <laughs> and Walker Lee, without missing a beat, said, Paul knows because Paul is in heaven. And heaven is more real than Houston. 
Heaven is more real than the ground I'm standing on. The kingdom of God is more real than the air I'm breathing that supposedly is keeping me alive. But nothing is keeping me alive except for the mercies of God. So don't threaten me with death. Don't threaten me with a law. Don't threaten me with an idea because I don't care where this world goes. I'm not conformed to this world. But the Bible says I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be transformed by the amount of Bible that I memorize. No. I'm going to be transformed by the amount of Holy Ghost services that I'm in. No. I'm going to be transformed by the amount of Christian songs that I know. No. I'm going to be transformed by how uh, whether or not my kids ever say a cuss word or not. No. I'm going to be transformed by whether or not I ever cut somebody off in traffic. No. You are going to be transformed by the renewing, by the renewing, by the renewing of your The renewing of your mind right between your ears. It's a beautiful word in the Greek. It says metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's where we get the word metamorphosis that describes, that describes a transformation that changes one thing into something else. For instance, a caterpillar, a worm, crawling on the ground, crawling up the tree, crawling on the limb, eating holes in the leaves, trying to figure it out, feet going all through the dirt and all through the mud, trying to figure out how am I going to make it, how am I going to make it. But soon and very soon there's going to be something that takes place on the inside of that caterpillar that's going to say, you know what, I'm fine eating the leaves with all you other lizards and frogs and everything else that's around here, but I've just got to go get by myself. I've got to go lock myself in a room. I've got to go find a way to get by myself for a minute because I believe there's something bigger on the inside of me than's on the outside of me. That caterpillar finds him a little room, spins him a cocoon, and just waits. And while he's in there, his legs start to look a little funny and, and his back starts to change and he starts to get these bumps that stick out. And before you know it, he's sitting there and he, he's all cramped up and he, now all of a sudden he's begun to shift and to change into something else. And he was all comfortable because the place that he got quiet and the place that he built for himself and the place that he got secure was built for the old him. But now he's a new him and he begins to change into a different thing. And now all of a sudden the place that was most comfortable for him is now a place that he feels cramped and he can't get out of fast enough. Some of you are in the cocoon right now. You said, I had to be alone because I didn't know. I had to be alone because it didn't make sense. I got tired of eating leaves. I want to soar with wings like eagles. You wrapped yourself up in silence, reminding yourself, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength in the process you begin to metamorpho you begin to shift and you begin to change some of you came to go to school in a town you thought man I'm just going to school but something on the inside of you happened and you began to metamorpho and you begin to change and, and life as you know it is different and listen to me you can't even go back to the same place because now leaves don't even taste right And then on one moment, something starts to break. Pow! You wiggle. 
And you find your way outside of what has been holding you back. Only to find out that the time you spent was the time necessary to change you from what you were to what God's called you to be. Metamorpho. Changed. To become what you are not. To become what God has called you to be by the renewing of your mind. You'll never get the victory in the natural until you get the victory between your ears. Every battle that has ever taken place, every fight that has ever taken place, begins right here. I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the stuff that we just, whatever. I'm not mad at you because I'm very similar. I'm going to this, I'm going to that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the victory of resolve. The victory of commitment. Because the moment you commit is the moment you receive the victory that you have to have here before you can see here. I'm reminded of, Je- I'm reminded of when Jesus went to Gethsemane to pray before he was crucified, before the lynch mob came and grabbed him and took him uh, uh, and, and, and put him in shackles and arrested him like he was a criminal. And he goes... Uh, to Gethsemane to pray. And he tells his disciples, you guys, I need you guys to pray. Uh, just wait right here uh, and pray right here, guys. And, and, and I'm going to go pray a little more. And the Bible says that they noticed that he was heavy. It, 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 it was just everything about Jesus began to intensify. Can anybody else just sense things intensify? He began, just began to intensify. And Jesus goes and he gets there and he begins to pray and he gets a little frustrated with his disciples uh, but he's not really frustrated because he knows the power that they need, the fire that's going to be on the inside of them can't even get on the inside of them yet because they're still filthy, stinking vessels and he's about to clean them with his blood so that they can actually receive the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them and then the Bible says the same people who couldn't pray for an hour were said to have had calluses like camels on their knees from the amount of time that they prayed. Because they were metamorphosed. They were changed into something. So Jesus gets into the garden and begins to pray. And the Bible says that he was heavy. And, and if you remember right, the Bible says, He who knew not sin became sin for you and for me. So he's feeling the weight of sin. The entire weight of sin is resting on the Son of the living God sitting in a garden. Isn't it interesting that Adam, the first man that was created, was in a garden when sin rested on his shoulders, but he could not bear it. But now the only one whose shoulders were broad enough to withstand the stress and the burden of sin is sitting in a another garden praying not my will but thy will Adam said not your will but my will Jesus said not my will but your will begins to sweat he's praying so vigorously 
and sweat became great drops of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement for man's sin. You're not required to carry the stress and strain that the enemy and the world tries to put on you. And the reason that you have the victory is because where the sweat of your brow is, Jesus bled there too. Not my will, but your will. He was crucified. He was beaten and lashed with lashes. He was stabbed with a spear to make sure he was dead. But he got the victory in the garden. When he said, Never the less. Not my will, but your will. As a Christian, if you want to get serious about this thing, there's some fiery darts that will be shot at you. If you want to get serious about this thing, there's going to be some things that come against you. But God, just like He used Peter in Peter's boat, is looking for somebody who says, that may be true, nevertheless, your will. Not my word, your word. Jesus prayed. Finally, he realizes it's time. He goes and all the horrendous things begin to take place that had to happen for him, that had to happen to him for us. But I find it very interesting. He goes to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means oil press. A place where olives are pressed. Because if you want the oil, you have to be pressed. The anointing is always metaphorically shown as oil. In your life and my life, there's things that we're going to go through. Some of you are going through them right now. And you feel like you are being squeezed from every angle. You feel like you're being pressed from every side. You feel like there's no way I can withstand any more of this. No press, no promise. No pressing, no anointing. No pressure, no victory. No press, no oil. Jesus had to go through that garden before he ever got to the cross. Because there's a place in time in everybody's life when we've got to get the victory here in order to experience the victory here. Life is coming at you. I feel God right now. Help me say this, Lord. There is a movement coming so strong that you do not want to hear about it. You want to be in the middle of it. There is a shift 
taking place in the supernatural atmosphere. Potentially, this world has never seen because we've never been closer to the return of Christ than we are right now. God's clarion call is simple. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Become what I am calling you to be. Isn't it interesting that two of the key disciples and apostles that we read about, one's name was Simon, but Jesus called him Peter or the rock. One who wrote half the New Testament was called Saul, but God says, from now on, your name is Paul. Because he's telling you what you were is not what you're going to be. And I need you to renew your mind and transform from Saul to Paul. I need you to erase doubt and unbelief. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We're in the world, we're not of the world. For the weapons of our warfare... Are, are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty. It's a revelation when you find out you've got weapons. Aren't you glad that God did not leave us weaponless? The weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Areas in our life that we've struggled with, they're coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. Divorce is all through your family, but it's coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. It stops here. It stops now. Everything changes. I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I don't care who says it. I don't care why they say it. I'm sticking with Jesus and His book. Your weapons are mighty. We don't fight in a carnal nature. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, there's an interesting thing. It's not saying the fact that there is a God. Did you know that the devil knows there is a God? It's not saying uh, that exalts itself against the fact that there is a God. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that exalts, it, that exalts itself against the knowledge and the character of who God is. The knowledge of the character of who God is. Which means basically this. Anybody who, who, who comes against 3 John 2 that says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health. That is the knowledge of the character of God. So anything that exalts itself higher than the fact that God loves you and wants to save you from your sins and separate you from your past and open up the windows of heaven over your life and heal your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, fill you with His presence and His power and His Spirit so that your life is never ever the same. Anything that exalts itself above that knowledge... We cast it down. Casting down. I don't know where sometimes uh, the King James uh, writers get their uh, 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 translation. But it literally says to violently arrest and wrestle down. 
You're not responsible for your first thought. But you're responsible for what you do with it. That thought comes in your mind. If you get up in the morning, that knee hurts again. Ah, man, that thing's, it's probably just going to hurt forever. No, it's not. By His stripes, I am healed. What if you don't experience it? I'm going to experience it one day, whether it's walking on concrete or walking on gold. My kids are still doing this and they'll probably... No, they're not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember a jailer who was sitting there and Paul and Silas were in prison not because they were selling dope, not because they were running some game that they shouldn't have been running, but they were in prison because they were lifting up the name of J-E-S-U-S and nobody liked the name of Jesus. So they put them in prison. They put them in the innermost prison. They bound them with stocks and chains. And long about the midnight hour, I don't know about you, but midnight means as far away from the previous day and as far away from the next day as you can get. The darkest moment in the whole night, the time when everything's looking worse and nothing's looking better. In the midnight hour, at the moment when everybody else would have quit, in the moment when everybody else would have thrown in the towel. But the problem was these guys weren't conformed to this world. These guys had been transformed by the renewing of their mind. Silas, give me a beat. What you want to beat for, Paul? I'm about to praise God. We're in prison. I know. What do you mean you know? I mean I know that I know that the blood of Jesus, the power of God, can reach into this deep dark cell just like it can reach onto, reach onto a mountaintop. I know that the power of God who has healed me before will get me out of this situation. And if He does not, I'm going to be dancing on streets of gold by morning. Transform. That jailer. The midnight hour. Earthquake happened. Stocks come off, all the prison doors open. Paul and Silas lead a prison revival. Everybody gets saved. The jailer goes to kill himself. Spirit of suicide came on him. Paul says, whoa, don't kill yourself. We have to raise you from the dead. He says, I got to. I was supposed to keep you guys. He said, we're all here. Matter of fact, they're all here. We're going to help you sweep up the place a little bit. He fell to his knees. What do I have to do to be saved? Paul said, I thought you'd never ask. That night, not just the jailer, but his whole family was saved. See, when you remove, when you remove the limits of God, by renewing your mind, scriptures like with God all things are possible become your battle cry. They become your moment. 
where the tide turns the other way. Because your mind is not trusting what you see, but it's trusting in what you know. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes, please.